I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line, live from Media Row for Super Bowl 58. Here is Stormy Bonatoni and Michael Lombardi on VSIN, the sports betting network. Presented by DraftKings, we're live from Radio Row in Las Vegas, the home of Super Bowl 58. We'll be here broadcasting at our VEASAN and DraftKings set at Mandalay Bay all week long. And the one and only Michael Lombardi oh. is actually in the flesh I'm all here. week. But how great is it to get introduced by the great Brent Musburger? Oh, you were, I mean, if he would have just said you were looking live, it would have been so good. But it's awesome to be here. It's good to see you yes. again. It's good to be on Radio Row. This has always been interesting for me. You know, sure. it's fun. And uh, I'm excited. I know you're a little nervous. You can't peek too early on the Niners. I know that. But I will tell you, I, I you convinced me to go in the direction. So we'll talk about that okay. later. Okay. I, I do have a lot of anxiety. But <laughs> but right. a while that we'll talk through every possible angle of Super Bowl 58. Of course, the 49ers and Chiefs going head-to-head. This time next week, we'll be recapping the yes. big game. The hustle and bustle already here at Radio Row has begun. But it'll just get fuller and fuller every single day that yep. we're here. And Michael, so I'm curious your thoughts on this, because for me as a Las Vegas local, I was born and raised here in the city of Las Vegas. My entire life, we were told sports could never work. Here. Right, right. And to see where we've gone the last seven or so years from it never being able to wear care and the NFL trying to disassociate with the city right. of Las Vegas as much as humanly possible to now having a Super Bowl oh, here. I know so for good. me it's surreal, but for you from the football side, how have you seen things change? Well, you know, I started my career here in 84 and, and it was a smaller town, obviously, before you were born. And it was a town that was kind of a a confluence of people from all over. And so at UNLV, you know, you were never really the home team. You were always, there were visitors, whoever you played, they kind of migrated, people migrated here. And so you always felt like, will they ever support the local team? And then the Vegas Knights, obviously yeah. they did. And and now I, I think to me that's overblown. And the fact that the gambling element has kind of been removed from the stigma of, oh, that's not going to work to where we are. And why wouldn't it be in Vegas? I mean, there's no better party town in the country, right? You know, it, it understands how to host big events, great stadium, yeah. great venue. So it makes all the sense. I, Ten years ago, I probably would have said no way. But today, 
it's impressive. And I think to me, you know, this is, and it's two great historic franchises, which you got to love about it for the first game in Las Vegas. This will not be the last Super Bowl here for sure. No, I, it's uh, the hotel infrastructure, the way that the stadium is set up, state of the art, beautiful, all these things. It's, it's going to be a great day. I'm so excited for it. And for you two, memory wise, let's take a little trip down memory lane yeah. because we are today Seven years oh from God, yeah. the day of 28 to three and the Patriots winning that Super Bowl in comeback fashion. And interestingly enough, we've got Kyle Shanahan as a head coach now in the Super Bowl <laughs> coming up this week. But your memory is a little bit better than his that day. Well, I think he gets blamed wrongly for it. Like, I, you know, and I don't mean to be, be pick on Dan Quinn, but it's Dan Quinn's job to tell Kyle, you know, what to do. Everybody kind of thinks it's Dan. It's Kyle's job. I mean, Kyle's job is to get first down score points. And Dan should have said, hey, look, let's just run it. But look, it opened the door up and it was a great way to end my career winning that Super Bowl coming from behind 28 to 3 and Brady saved the best his best for the last right you know that last drive to get it to 28 to 28 and then get the ball in overtime and come down made some incredible throws on that drive to Hogan on and out on third and 10 when there was a lot of pressure on him from the offense from the defensive front so it's such a great memory to go back there and the two Super Bowls that I won with the Patriots mm -hmm. had such distinctive memories the Malcolm Butler interception and then the come from behind 28 to 3 game you know and you know then I, of course I did a radio show in Portland today and the guy had to bring up the 02 Raiders Super Bowl which I lost which wasn't very nice of him but then you know my first Super Bowl win was kind of we that game was dominated by the 49ers and the great Joe Montana and that team so you know these games that are so close there was a time that the games in the Super Bowl were never really entertaining. Everybody would complain about them. You know, they were blowouts. Denver gets blown out by the 49ers, all that. Now we've had some really mm -hmm. great down-to-the-minute last-second games, which makes it so much more fun. And we've talked so much, I know, at least, you know, recent history on the Lombardi line and on various VEASAN shows, the way that underdogs have had a lot of success recently, whether it be against the spread or um, straight-up wins. But a lot of that is because of what you just said with parity and the league, get, the league getting better and the league getting a lot more competitive. You yeah. have a, a ring on today. Yeah, so the, which Super Bowl is this one? That's from my first one. You so got to show it. Like, I, I finally got it Refit. I got it refit because my fat fingers that, you know, and I don't understand it because I had to get it refit from my man JK back in Medford. And so my son kept saying, you should wear that one because it's, you know, you know the difference between how big this one is compared to what the other ones are. So it's, it's kind of, and this one to me was, I, I was along for the ride and seeing Bill Walsh in that locker room, he, you know, we would we were at Stanford Stadium and it was it was way different than it is now. Mm -hmm. You know, and the teams were there early and Walsh was dressed completely and he just laid down in the locker room like it was gonna take a, a nap in the locker room to show everybody how relaxed he was for the game and you know, and, and it was uh, unbelievable. You know, I'd pinch myself that, I mean, here's this fat kid from New Jersey, son of a barber, is in, a, is in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's surreal, right? You know, you just can't believe it. You have to kind of take it in, but then you want to win it too, right? Yeah. But my favorite memory, Stormy, I said this on the pod today. My mom and dad, my mom was alive. And they all came out for the Super Bowl. Millie was working as an accountant. We weren't married yet. And she was back east in Philly. And so I'm at the pre-party. And I'm just standing there and I'm nervous and I'm just kind of thinking about the game. And DeBartolo literally walks up to me and he says, where's your tickets, kid? And I said, here, Mr. D, here they are. And he takes the three tickets out of my hand and he puts three tickets on the 50 yard line because he saw me with my parents. And I think that really was. And that's a memory I'll never forget. The kindness of that man. 
always was there, and that's what permeated that organization. It is a historic organization, and it started with, and I hope they honor Coach Walsh a lot this mm-hmm. week in terms of what he was able to do for that franchise. I'm sure they will in paying off so much of the history. I also selfishly am hoping we can use some of your connections <laughs> to get some 49ers here on our show throughout the week. I mean, come on, you know Jerry's going to be walking around. Yeah, Jerry, Joe's yeah, going to be walking around. We gotta get, yeah, we got to get a few of those guys. I mean, and, and you know, that team in 84 that won it was really a, a tremendous, Jerry wasn't on that team. We ended up having, we, Freddie Solomon was, yeah. and that was the birth of when Walsh decided the only time you had a great receiver is when your team's complete. And that's when we traded. We got rid of, we tra- we actually released Freddie Solomon and made the trade with the New England Patriots to trade up in the draft with hopes we would get one of those receivers, Toon, Brown, or the great Jerry Rice. Is there anything, not from a personnel standpoint, but maybe from just like a team identity thing that you've noticed has been a carryover from all three of those Super Bowl winning teams? Like what's the constant yeah. for those winners? The constant is the teams like each other. Like they're, they're, they're truly teams. Nobody, nobody is outside or bigger than the team. And as great as Joe Montana was, he, as he said on Pat McAfee, and he said in several interviews, he was basically the point guard just distributing the football to other people. The, you know, Tom Brady. You know, even the Raider team that we lost, that was a collective team. There was unity. And I think the only way you can win in today's game is hard is you have to have that collective unity. You have to have everybody's accountable, mm-hmm. everybody working towards the same goal. And nobody's bigger than the program, right? Nobody is bigger. And I think the Chiefs, that's the way they changed their season this year. They changed their season because they decided that we're not going to make these splashy plays. We're going to go 12 play drives, seven play drives. We're going to score. We're going to protect the lead. We're going to play with our defense. And they are a team too. And I think this is, you know, you, you're a 49er fan, so you can appreciate this. The Niners are here and they haven't even played their A game yet. Correct. I mean, that's remarkable, right? That shows you the mental and physical toughness that they have as a team. I don't think that can be overlooked here. Well, especially considering we talked so much about this team throughout the course of the regular season and saying they are one that has to play from in front. They're not going to be able to have success trailing. That's just not the way that their team is built. Yet, in each of these playoff games so far, they have had to turn things around in the second half. Haven't scored a point in the first quarter. Think about that. They have not scored a point in the first quarter. And the the, the Chiefs have scored, uh, you know, 46 of their 70 points in the first half. So this is going to be, this game is about the script. And this is going to be about... And I said this on our pod today. I said, it's going to have to be Steve Wilkes is going to have to do something uniquely different, whether it's a five-man front, whether it's some kind of variation of what he's used to playing to create a little bit of uncertainty with the Chiefs off. Because if Andy Reid knows what he's in and he's had two weeks to get ready for it and a week to practice that script, they're going to start fast. And if they start fast, I don't know if Purdy can come from behind against this really good Chief defense. So is that the most important battle to you? Could it be is. Kyle Shanahan, uh, I mean, sorry, Steve Wilkes against it's, Andy Reid and what yeah, he puts together. I think Wilkes, you know, Mark Twain has a great saying. He says the the greatest swordsman in the world doesn't fear the second best swordsman. He fears the unconventional swordsman, somebody who'll do something different. And I really think that Steve has to do something different. I think he's got to, because if he lets Andy know what he's doing, if he lets Andy understand it, then Andy's going to do what he did against Buffalo. He's going to do what he did against, uh, the, especially Baltimore and against Miami, is he's going to be able to pick apart this defense. And if he gets that and he gets ahead, You know, this is a mad dash to get ahead in the game. And I think Steve Wilkes is going to have to really be a little bit 
different, unique, make them wonder, oh, wait a minute, I thought they were doing this, but they're doing that. And Wilkes has got a bigger portfolio to do that than when Sala was here or even when D'Amico Ryans was here. I know, um, obviously, there is a lot that is going to be a task to take away from the Kansas City Chiefs offensively, but you have to think, too, in that first meeting, they sit down and they say, we've got to let some somebody else beat us other than Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, they're going to say, okay, Rasheed Rice, can you do it? I mean, Scantling, Valdez Scantling, can he make a play down yeah. the field? The longest pass play they've had in the playoffs is the 39-yarder at the end of the Baltimore game that sealed that victory. So I'm with you. Look, Pacheco, that's why I think if you come up with a five-man line or if you come something different, look, we know this. The Niners' strength is their defensive front, and we have not heard a peep mm-hmm. from them. They have not played well, and they are going to have to play well. That's why I think they're complaining about how soft the field is over at the UNLV because they yeah. want a fast track. They need the athleticism of their defensive front to take over the game. Yeah, we'll get into that and plenty more details throughout the course of the day. The San Francisco 49ers still a two-point favorite where things sit right now, total 47.5. And, and we've got a great guest list on tap coming up today as well in about a half Half an hour, Herm Edwards is going to join us. We've got some coaching carousel news to discuss, and obviously he knows uh, Antonio Pierce very well with the Raiders. We'll talk to him as well as a former Super Bowl winning head coach, Bruce Arians, coming up to kick us off in hour two of the show. And we'll have the Golics, Mike Golick Sr. and Jr. join us at 2.30 Eastern. And again, so much to get through talking Super Bowl, talking NFL news and notes. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back from Radio Row at the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. This is the Lombardi Line, live from Media Row for Super Bowl 58 on VSEN, the sports betting network. Back here on the Lombardi Line, this segment. 
segment brought to you by Fair Aspirin, the official sponsor of Fans Hearts. It's VSIN Super Week, live from Media Row in Las Vegas. Stormy Bonantoni and Michael Lombardi with you as we continue to talk all things Super Bowl 58 throughout the course of the week. In addition to the big game, Michael, we've yeah. got a lot of Go NFL news still to get into yeah. because while last week we learned all of the head coaching vacancies were officially filled, some of those coordinator shuffling items are starting to come through here. Most notably, at least recently, everybody thought Cliff Kingsbury was going to the Las Vegas Raiders yeah. and ultimately that changed. He's going to join Dan Quinn's staff in Washington. Yeah, you know, those things that happen when this to me is some of the most important times in the NFL. I mean, last year when Cleveland hired Jim Schwartz, nobody made a big deal out of it, made a huge deal to their team, right? You know, the right hire for the right staff is so important. We'll see, you know, what what happens. Jeff Hefley up at uh, in, in Green Bay, is that the right, mm -hmm. right hire for the defense coordinator? But the Kingsbury hire here in Las Vegas was going down a road that it seemed like it was going to get done and then and they were making staff changes I think Kennedy Polo was no longer on the coaching staff they were making some room for Kingsbury to bring people in and then all of a sudden the contract broke down because the Raiders were insisting on a two-year deal they wanted a three-year deal and then Washington swoops in and says okay we're going to do that and then Washington ends up doing it and it forces the Raiders to then go to Luke Getze who media-wise gets a bad rap because, oh, you know, he didn't do anything with the Chiefs, with the Bears offense, but I'm not sure that's actually correct. But what I find most fascinating about all the shuffling is with Getze coming to the Raiders, we're going to hear a lot of talk about, well, Justin Fields is going to go to the Raiders. Mm. And if Getze is going to have a conversation in that building about Fields, and if it's a positive conversation, you could see them making the move. But my sense of it is it will not be one. And we'll hear a lot of things about the the Raiders being interested from a propaganda standpoint, but from a reality standpoint, no, because if you're the Bears, you need the Raiders to be interested. Mm. Because if the Raiders aren't interested, it tells the NFL Getsy doesn't think he's very good. And they cling to that information, right? The, the NFL is a, you know, one flies off the, the one blackbird flies off the line, the next one does. I mean, they cling to that. So if the Raiders need a quarterback and they have Getsy, then why wouldn't they be interested? He knows something about fields that we don't. You okay. follow me? So you don't anticipate that. I think that's interesting, though. So Getze, obviously, like if he's not giving glowing reports about Justin Fields, that's right. It, it, that hurts Chicago. That hurts Ryan. Ryan Poles. It hurts their ability to then say, OK, we're going to trade him. All indications are from right. what I'm told from people at the Senior Bowl last week. They plan to try to trade him. Now, here's where it gets interesting. The Chiefs need the Raiders in it from a perception standpoint. So what we'll start hearing in the next, when we get to the combine, the Raiders are in it. We'll start reading about, there'll be leaks like that, mm. where as an executive in the league, you got to sit there and say, are they really? Because the, you know you know what Getsy thinks. And that's going to carry a lot of weight in that organization. Because if I were the GM, if I was Tom Telesco, and I knew that I had a guy who was on the staff with Fields, I want to know what he thinks. Yeah. I want to know what it's like. I want to know what would we do. Well, and clearly things didn't work out with them together in Chicago. Exactly, exactly. And you hired them. And so for me, that's the bigger story. It isn't yeah. whether Getsy's a great coach because, you know, we all know you become a much – Brian Dayball was fired in Miami. He was fired in Kansas City. And then when he got Josh Allen, he became a top-five coordinator in the league. Okay, so let's put that in perspective. Nothing against Dayball. It's just that you get these jobs because you have a great quarterback. Mm -hmm. You don't get them because you don't. And so – 
I think to me, that's going to be the interesting part of this. So while people are obviously going to draw that line with Justin Fields and Getze, they're most certainly going to draw the line from Cliff Kingsbury to Caleb Williams, right. with the commanders currently having the number two overall pick in the draft. How do you think that ends up playing out? I think that's a little different. I don't think you can make that direct line because Adam Peters is the king of all kings in Washington. Everything's going to go through him. And he's going to be the guy who's really responsible for this. Now, why did Quinn get the job in Washington and Ben Johnson perhaps didn't? Quinn was willing to take a four-year contract. They were not offering a six-year contract to other people. Why? Because they want to give him some time, Peters, I mean, to give him some time to see if the coach will work. They're all in on, on Peters. I'm not saying they're not all in on Quinn, but this is going to be Peters' pick. And so I'm sure he'll ask Cliff about Caleb. But in terms of making that move and making those decisions, that's all going to come down to Peters' ability to see whether he likes Drake May, whether he likes Michael mm -hmm. Penix, or whether he actually actually thinks this is the only guy. So I, I don't think you can draw that line. It's too early in the process to do that right now. You know fans are certainly going to oh, want yeah. to. The all conspiracy over. theorists are already out. All over that. They hired Kingsbury because they want Caleb. Yeah. And he's from Detroit. He's from Washington. Oh, it, it makes all the sense So, the so we got to get game. him here. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think you can draw that straight line now, today. I think it's way too early. But I, I think Peters is going to make the call. See, every organization's different. There's the where is the power base from? Washington's power base set up by Josh Harris was clearly they want Peters to be they want to be collaborative, mm -hmm. but they want Peters to be the final decision maker, which is why Belichick wasn't really considered there. That's why they put out the press release. They weren't interested. They wanted to hire somebody from a personnel background to run their team. Now, this has never really worked successfully in the NFL for a long period of time, because when you take away that authority from the coach, it makes it very challenging on the coach. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, they're taking a basketball approach. It's interesting. Ben Johnson said in his interview, or it's allegedly said, that he felt like they were too wired to basketball as opposed to football. I kind of see that as well from the outside looking in. Yeah, of course, the connection there with the Warriors. When when it comes to the Kingsbury contract of it all from the Raiders side of things, why do you think Vegas wouldn't budge? That one, I don't know. I, I think to me that they have always given two-year deals. It may be their procedure, their policy, but I think one of the things about doing contracts for coaches in the NFL, you ask yourself, will this guy get another job, right? Will this guy get another job? And we need to talk about Dallas defensive coordinator. Yeah. That's part interesting, too. When we, But will he get another job? Because when you fire coaches in the NFL, you really aren't – you're not spending all that money because there's offset clauses in it. So even though – Kingsbury's still getting paid by the Cardinals. Remember, he did that extension. So he's looking for that deal. And so I think to me, it's kind of being short-sighted. Like, do I really care about giving you the third year? You're going to get another job somewhere else anyway, and I'm going to get an offset. So I'm going to pay less money. And if you're good, that third year is probably going to be below the market value anyway. So I think that's what ultimately happened. So Cliff Kingsbury goes from being an offensive analyst with USC now to being in a position as offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. They also landed their D.C. Joe Witt Jr. Uh, comes over from time with Dan Quinn in Dallas, which, as you alluded to, now has an opening uh, in the defensive coordinator position for the Cowboys. Still, year after year, looking to find themselves in a position where they're playing in an NFC championship game. Haven't gotten there since the 90s. What have you heard on that front? Who do you think might end up filling that role? I think there's three names. There's four names. I think I think they're they're talking to Mike Zimmer tomorrow. Uh, they are going to talk to 
to Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera's in play here. He's they, interviewed a, a number yeah, of places Yeah, he wants to now. work, yeah. and he's got more years on a contract, so he becomes an economically viable guy for Dallas. I don't think Jerry wants to bring in coaches on different levels of contracts with Mike with Mike McCarthy on the last year. But also, I'm thinking, like, do you want to bring in Ron Rivera, who the D.C. that you um, are, just saw move in to take over that role in Washington, oh, big reason why the defense was abysmal. They were the worst in the league <laughs> in yards allowed and points allowed per game. And you're I like, know. yeah, let's, makes, let's take that guy to replace our guy that had our, it, our unit fifth in the league. It makes no sense. And then they, they could talk to Martindale. I don't know if they will, Don Martindale. And I think they've sniffed around on, on, on Rex Ryan as a potential guy, the ESPN guy. Interesting. And I'm not saying he's going to do it, but I'm sure there's a lot of inquiries because, you know, they may want to go that way. But I don't think they will because Ryan would want a three-year contract, and I don't think Jerry's willing to. I think the dark horse in Dallas, I originally thought it was going to be Zimmer. I think the dark horse in Dallas might be Rivera because Rivera's got a contract. And I don't think Jerry wants to have coaches on different level years of contracts. So if he fires McCarthy, he doesn't want to have Martindale with two more years of a contract sitting there, right? Because then the next coach comes in and may not want Martindale. But then how challenging is that as a coordinator that's looking to take that job when you're not guaranteed? Guaranteed any security but he than a lame duck coach potentially. He knows him. Rivera will take whatever. He knows Rivera's going to take any job. Rivera's getting paid by Washington. It uh, doesn't matter. That just sounds like such a terrible match in my it brain. It is. It is. And that's why we as a betting network and bettors, we have to take that into consideration. If they go down this Ron Rivera road, like I'm going to bet the under. Not on bet, but I'm going to recommend betting <laughs> the, the under. season win total under yeah. hard. Ugh. I can't imagine that. After he, three straight 12 win seasons, you're like, nope. I, I mean, to me, this is all set. It's all almost setting up to where you almost say to yourself, Jerry, why don't you just hire Belichick now? Mm. Like, you're going to do it. Like, you know, everybody, that's what everybody's saying. You're probably going to do it next year. Why don't you do it now? It almost seems like you're wasting time. Yeah. But that's but that's what he's done historically, though, with these contracts. He lets them ride it out till the end. Because I think ultimately what people always misconstrue is I want to win. But they're also economically, they want to be fiscal too, right? They're, like they're, everybody thinks that owners in the league. Interesting that these billionaires need to be so fiscally responsible. Oh, I know. I, I, I could tell you stories money, about that. I could it. tell you stories about that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, seriously. But, oh. I mean, that's the case, right? That The reason they're, I tell everybody this all the time, the reason they're billionaires is because they are economically fiscal. That's why. We, we take the mentality to spend. They take the mentality to save. Yeah, we're bad. See, we're gamblers here on this network. <laughs> so there you go. We're going to hit the break here real quick. But when we come back, let's dive into the quarterback matchup that we have in Super Bowl 58. Is it really the David versus Goliath matchup that most people have made this out to be with Patrick Mahomes and the young Brock Purdy in year two in the NFL? We'll be right back from Media Row in Las Vegas. This is the Lombardi Line, live from Media Row for Super Bowl 58 on VSEN, the sports betting network. In the Sports Betting Network, this segment presented by 1-800-Flowers.com, DraftKings' official flowers for Valentine's Day, oh which, Michael, you I mean, Millie's in town. Are you I guys thinking ahead? Oh, I always ready? do 1-800-Flowers. It's easier because I can remember that phone number. That's a good thing, right? <laughs> See, that's branding. Yeah, that's well exactly done. exactly right. It is one. It's exactly. It makes it easy for somebody. Look at it. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful flowers up here Of on course. The desk. Absolutely. Yeah. And I got to send some to my granddaughter. I mean, why not? She got to be my Valentine, too. So. Well, it's like everybody, all of the wonderful wives out there. 
they're put up with their husbands during yeah. Super Bowl week, and then we you know, Valentine's then they Day. reap the rewards the next week. Great yeah, stuff. Absolutely, yeah. All, um, the, all the women in my life deserve them. Which we do have a obviously a huge game coming up uh, in less than a week. Now we are officially in that countdown, and um, excited to discuss this game with Herm Edwards coming up in about 15 minutes. Also get into some of that just NFL general news. His former defensive coordinator when he was coaching at Arizona State was Antonio Pierce. So get his thoughts on the new Vegas Raiders official head coach, as well as uh, Jaden Daniels, who he knows very well, what he thinks about his prospects in the draft. And then to kick us off an hour or two on VEASAN and DraftKings Network, Bruce Arians, the only head coach that has beat Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl to this point. Go. So find out some of the intricacies in that matchup and what he thinks of the great QB, who let's dive into that discussion a little bit about, about Mahomes here, because we have two very different experience levels that are going to be going head to head between Mahomes and Brock Purdy, who's playing in his first Super Bowl in just a second year in the league. You know, and I think Purdy has to kind of like not compare himself to Mahomes or this is his first. I mean, the hard part about this game for both teams is the delay in the action, right? We know that Super Bowls have longer breaks and more breaks. And by the time the game starts and all that, it's hard to get into a rhythm. This is why the beginning of the game for Brock Purdy is so damn important is to kind of, we've seen him not score a point in the first quarter, all playoffs. He's got to get into a rhythm. He's got to get himself comfortable to kind of get those butterflies away and get away from, oh my God, I'm competing against Mahomes because he's really not competing against Mahomes. He's competing against a defense that that has given up 14.3 points over the last four legitimate games counting the Cincinnati game and the three playoff games. That's the game, right? Mm -hmm. That's who he's competing against. He's competing against Spagnola. He can't control what his defense does against Mahomes. And he's got to be, and he can't be like the guy who goes to the first tee with Tiger Woods and tries to outdrive Tiger. Ain't going to happen. You got to play within the comforts of your game. And I think Kyle will do a really good job of making sure that happens. And for Mahomes, Stormy, what I think gets, has gotten lost in all this is Mahomes has not done anything that you would say, wow, Mahomes has done selfless things. Mm -hmm. He averages seven yards per attempt in the regular season. He averages seven yards per attempt in the postseason. He's not turned the ball over. He's protected the ball. He's been very accurate. He's been really given himself to the offense and he hasn't been the guy that I got to make a play. He's allowed the offense to help him make a play and he's been very good with the football. He's protected it. So you know, the two, the three wins that they've accumulated have been because they played air-free mm -hmm. football and Mahomes is the reason why. Yeah, and we talk so much about that Kansas City Chiefs offense of the past and even the way that they've been able to change their philosophy since that Christmas game that was, uh, you know, a very embarrassing result for them against the Raiders. But even still, this is an offense that only put up 17 points in that right. AFC Championship game. So there is opportunity, I think, for San Francisco if defensively they can play things right. And to your earlier point of not letting Patrick Mahomes just do whatever he wants because if they keep on playing the status quo defensively, it's very easy for them to have that happen. But when it comes to Brock Purdy, what does he need to do to be able to get out to that better start? Because this is his first time in yeah. a Super Bowl environment where we know the Chiefs have all the experience in the world. In addition to their quarterback, 36 players that were on that roster a year ago and played in a Super Bowl. I think what he has to do is have a better second down play selection. I think what one of the things when you go back and watch the Buffalo game, Buffalo was able to stay out of a lot of third downs. Buffalo was able to control the football for 37 minutes in that game. They had five drives against this Chief defense. That was a 
essentially 11 plays or more. The last drive was 16 plays. They kicked the, missed the field goal at the end of the game. So I think to me, this is a lot about, hey, we've got to execute our spread attack. Buffalo spread them out. Buffalo forced them into a nickel front. Buffalo forced them to have to defend the width of the field out of their out of their 11 personnel and i think that's really where kyle's going to have to copy that game plan because mm-hmm. if they try to pack it in like baltimore wanted to try to do and then they can play the run a lot more effectively so i think if purdy can handle that i think the key to the game is going to be second down when when the when the 49ers have the football because if they can convert if they can stay out of those third downs remember yeah. kansas city was only in six third downs you know, the whole time when they played against the Bills, they were only in six third downs. Yeah. Think about that. And the Bills were in 14 and were four, and were 50 percent. So that's ultimately going to be the game. Can they limit how many times? Because every time you're in a third down, right, you, you and you will in, and you say, well, we're third manageable. But then, you know, 50 percent of the time mm-hmm. you're putting the ball back to them. Now, Buffalo was two for three on fourth down in that game. So basically they, they kept the ball nine times on drives in that game. I think that's going to be the key to the game, and that's where second down play calling becomes really a factor. And obviously both of these offenses are going to try to run the football. I don't foresee San Francisco doing anything near the game plan that we saw from the Baltimore Ravens last week, going away from what worked and a run defense that is vulnerable compared to a top five pass defense that the Kansas City Chiefs have. But let's hear what Steve Spagnuolo had to say about Brock Purdy, because it was very similar when we heard those Alex Smith comments last week of saying, like, I'm the unofficial (laughs) president of the game managers club and Brock Purdy is not allowed in. Spags had a similar situation. Sentiment. All they got to do is put the tape on, Adam, in my opinion. Um, we had some crossover film during the course of the year, but when you dive into it and you watch them, you don't, this court, it's not a quarterback that's managing or all those tabs that they put on. This is, this, he's for real. Um, makes all the throws, really, really smart. And then what I what I didn't know, because, you know, I don't watch I'm not seeing enough of it is how athletic he is. I mean, this is another quarterback that when you cover everything back there and he finds a lane and and a pass rush line can take off. He did it last week. He's done it in every playoff game and gets positive. yards. that puts a lot of strain on us defensively. Thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with with him. Michael, and that's why I told you after the NFC Championship game, I'm screaming at my television with my family saying, tell me Brock Purdy's not athletic (laughs) one more time. The dude went off. And so because of that, a lot of people have been betting his rushing yards prop over. It went from 11.5 to now 12.5 after it was only 6.5 for that previous game. Do you think he uses his feet again because it worked so efficiently last time? Well, I think Steve's concerned about it because he knows if he gets into a too deep man under game that he could take off. Now, he did a really good job of rushing Lamar to keep him out of that but Lamar had a few runs and he knows that run that he was talking about was the run that it was uh, that got him down to the five yard line where he ran away from Brian Branch remember Brian Branch is chasing him and he can't get him on the ground like this just this Purdy is just a is kind of the world we live in today there's a narrative that's set that nobody wants to change the narrative even when it doesn't match the facts I thought what Steve said was perfect if you put on the tape If you watch Brock Purdy, the guy almost averaged 10 yards per attempt. I mean, that's unheard of in the NFL. And yet nobody wants to give him credit for it. Nobody wants to say it. Well, they say, well, he can't throw the ball outside the numbers. First third down against Detroit, he's got a third and 10. He bangs it out to Ayuka. It's a perfect throw accurately. If he's got time in the pocket, he's going to make every throw. So, and they say, well, you know, he got lucky on the interception. I mean, I think that's a perfect throw if it's not pass interference. They picked up the flag. That was pass interference. So, 
this whole notion that he's a manager is ridiculous because Joe Montana, all he did was play point guard. Mm. If you're a great quarterback, you're a great point guard. And so you want to call that managing the offense? It's ridiculous. He's athletic, and you've got to be very careful. I, the prop is a good prop to play because the Chiefs know they got to play man. Right. They're going to have to play man defense, and there's going to be times where he's going to have to run it, and he's going to have to take advantage of it like Josh Allen did in that game, right? Josh Allen, he was able to run the football. Not that they called runs for Josh Allen, but he had 12 carries in that Buffalo game for 72 yards. 18 was as long. He scored two touchdowns. They call runs for Josh, but Josh moved around. The first third down in the game, he scrambles. Remember, he throws the ball back, and they get it to a fourth and one, and they convert on the first drive of the game. Those are the kind of things that make Steve really reluctant to call man defenses on critical downs because mm-hmm. you got to account for the quarterback. Yep, because he can get free. And I actually, approach, an approach I was looking at was instead of the rushing yards, his over under for attempts was sitting at three and a half and you can get a plus money price on that versus the juiced one. And yeah. each of the playoff games so far, we've seen five or six rushing attempts from Purdy so far. I, think I could he, see him getting four. I definitely think they're going to move. I think they got to move them. And I think, I think Kyle has to take that Buffalo game plan and really take it to heart because what it did was it spread them out and it forced them to declare where they could blitz from. When you pack it in, you know, then all of a sudden it becomes a little bit harder. And I think Kyle can do that. And this kid's very good at throwing the football. The other thing he said, which I think is completely true, he's really smart. Mm. And, And why did Kyle tell Jed York he was the best quarterback on our team as a rookie? Because that statement had a lot to do with his ability to understand the intelligence of the offense. It had nothing to do with the skill. It had everything to do with his mind and how smart he was. Because you get that you get that because of your ability to process. That's got to be such a big confidence boost, I would imagine. Brock Purdy hearing that now, the comments in hindsight that Kyle Shanahan was making in that moment. Like, I, we're going to stick with Trey. We're going to keep trying to work to develop him. But I think our third string quarterback <laughs> is our best, our best quarterback. And now he's led him to a Super Bowl here. We're going to step aside on the Lombardi line. But Herm Edwards will join us when we come back from Media Row. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening.
This is the Lombardi Line, live from Media Row for Super Bowl 58 on VSEN, the sports betting network. Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. This is the Lombardi line presented by this segment, DiGiorno. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. And listen, Michael, I know that you at your crib out there in Ocean City, <laughs> you have the beautiful homemade pizza outdoor oven. pizza oven. Yeah. So I am probably the biggest DiGiorno consumer love at this I table. I, I, look, I'm a fat guy. I love all pizza. <laughs> they I mean, have, come on. They have a stuffed crust one now. Ooh, by the way, yeah, it's the little things. That's it, what gets me there going. There you go. You got to have it. Yeah, absolutely. So since you're going to be here uh, in Vegas, are you going to be at the Super Bowl? No, or no, how no. are you going to be consuming the game? I, I mean, unless you're on the team bus, I, I don't want to go. And, you know, neither of my sons will be work or, or on either team. So that's not a good thing for me. I'm just going to go over to my son's house and enjoy it yeah. with the family. You know, I got to be here. Gotta, we got a show Monday morning to do. Right. So it'll be fun to be around it. And, you know, I like watching the commercials. Don't you like watching the commercials? You do. don't see the commercials in the stadium. So I I like watching the commercials. I like grading the commercials. I think like what's frustrating nowadays though is that so many of the commercials get leaked. Like I still want to be surprised and excited yeah. when I see oh, something. Yeah. Oh, I, I the first do time. they get leaked? I Sometimes didn't know that. On Twitter, yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I like to watch them. I like to watch all those. I think can, to me, you know, look, if you put a dog in a commercial, you put the Clydesdales <laughs> in the commercial, you, or a baby, you know, it's a, it's a home run. Like, it's not that hard to be an advertising exec. You don't have to be David Ogilvie to figure this out. I you mean, should it's lend not your services hard. out. You can have another yeah, little side I, I mean, I would freelance. put dogs in it all the time. Absolutely. I mean, why? Who doesn't love it? Did you see the dog that saved that guy who was dying in the, you know, it fell into the ice, you know, people walk on the ice and they fall through. I didn't see that. And then, and then the, the so the policeman couldn't get to him to give him a rope and he's kind of hanging on for his life and his dog was with him and so the dog literally took the took the rope in his mouth brought it to him oh man and they pulled him out that's incredible they Dog, love dogs are amazing. Dogs. amazing man's best friend for a reason yeah, absolutely uh, but i asked about your situation how you're going to be taking in the game i for anyone who didn't know although i've made it abundantly clear about every segment on the show probably <laughs> since we started working together i'm a san francisco 49ers fan and i'm debating i'm like going through the process of figuring out if i make the same food and do what worked for me and the it family in the matter. NFC championship game or change it up? It doesn't matter. I mean, see, Millie got me off that one years ago. When I was in Cleveland in 94, we were on a roll and I was wearing the same thing, top to bottom, everything under You didn't wash it? No, no, she would wash it, but I would wear the same thing all the time. And she said to me all the time, and she said, you know, why do you go to work at like four o'clock in the morning if all that matters is what you wear? And I said, well, I feel more secure if I wear it. I know it doesn't give the outcome but I feel more secure about it and she's like that's idiotic and so but anyway I I, I know what you feel like you feel more secure if you do that right, right? you feel like okay I've done it uh, this is what I've always done this is this is how we behave and we'll, we'll let it ride like the great Michael Scott in the office once said I'm not superstitious just a little stitious. And so <laughs> I just, right. you know, I want to make sure that all of the, that I have fewer variables at play. That's the only thing. And I'll light my candle that says smells like a 49ers win. Get the ambiance going at the Bonantoni household. I love it. I'm really looking forward to it. Where do you sit? Obviously, we'll get your official picks and plays later on at the end of this week leading up to Super Bowl Sunday. And of course, we'll have that broadcast on Sunday live from Circa Resort and Casino leading up to the game. But you're lean where you sit right now. Have you been buying into the camp? Bet against Patrick Mahomes in the Kansas no. City Chiefs. I mean, I think that's really, you know, obviously that's smart because the guy's a great player it's, and he's going in the Hall of Fame and he's one of the all-time greats. But I don't think if you peel back, 
the layers that 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 logic prevails on what's happened in the three games, right? I think their defense is what's been very good. Now, he scored 27 points in 22 minutes against Buffalo. Played really well. Has not turned the ball over. So I'm not minimizing that, but it's been beatable. I mean, let's be honest here, Stormy. If Dix catches that pass and... You know, if the kid makes the field goal, we we might he might not be here, and he's played well. I mean, Buffalo's kicking themselves up and down on that game, the drop, you know, the missed field goal, all those things. So I'm a little bit like, look, it's going to come down to how well the 49er defense, which has not showed up in two games, plays. And can the 49er offense play at a higher level, particularly run the football? And I think Mahomes is certainly in the layer of the conversation, but it isn't as simple as play Mahomes for me. It's just not. What frustrates me from the the 49er side of things is just how well they played throughout the course of the regular season. And they've had the luck out, it feels like, to get to this point. Like so much has had to go right for them against the Packers and against the Detroit Lions for them to end up in this position. Whereas watching them in the regular season, I thought the only thing that might hold them back was injuries. And that hasn't been an issue in the playoffs. It's been other things. Yeah, I mean, look, to me, the most surprising thing is they haven't been able to dominate the game up front. I mean, and there's been moments we've saw it. I mean, go back and watch the Tampa tape. Tampa moved the ball up and down the field. They got in the red zone. They couldn't score. You're just like, are you sure? I mean, the, the Cardinals early in the season moved the ball up and down the field. You were like, wait a minute. When does this 49er defense take over? When does this defensive front take over? Armstead hasn't played to the level. Hargrave hasn't played nearly the level that he did in Philly last year. And Chase Young hasn't been very good at all. I mean, I don't think Chase Young starts in this game. And if he does, he's going to be on a pitch count because he's gotten people have run the football directly at him and that's been a problem so this line has to become what they're paying for I mean they're paying big money for all these guys they got to get it back out of them and I know you didn't think much of him when the 49ers did grab him from the Washington commanders just because he hasn't lived up to what his draft capability was at all but I thought that playing on that line with the other talent around him that he would elevate and he would make the guys around him better and it just hasn't come through that way but because of all of the stuff that you just laid out I, in my brain, still feel like the wrong team is favored in this matchup. And that's coming from a 49ers fan. I do, too. I, I think, to me, it's simple logic. Who has played better? Right. Who has played better? And there's a reason the book has put the Niners as the favorite. It makes no sense to me, you know, because when you take the two games, three games for Kansas City, two for San Francisco, it's pretty clear. New England, I mean, excuse me, Kansas City has been the better team. Right. You know, offensively, deep, everywhere. And that's what worries you. And so everybody, I hate to do that. Everybody's on Kansas City. Oh, yeah. I mean, we see the betting splits on on Visa on our website, right? There's no action coming in on San Francisco, yet the line's moving to them. I have them right in front of me right now. So the Chiefs, 64% of the handle, 71% of the bets. So 71% of the tickets that have come in on this game are backing the Kansas City Chiefs. And similarly on the money line, even more, 81% of bets, 69% of the handle, just betting Kansas City straight up, which historically, I know we've talked about this trend on the show before, the team typically that wins the game covers the spread, whether that's the underdog or the favorite. You know, and I think there's probably some truth to that. I think to me, these games, look, we saw Carolina, the the Patriot game. I don't know what the spread was in that game. That was a field goal. The first Patriot win was a field goal. You know, there are close games, obviously. The four-point win by, you know, the win in Atlanta, you know, by the last touchdown. But 
I do think, to me, this is, there's a reason the book opened up the 49ers. They had to anticipate there was going to be, and we saw the line go from, some people said there was the three. I never saw I it. I never but saw it, the three. I never saw there it. Must, but it there's was, like one rogue book like that one, had it for 30 one, seconds. Like for a second they got <laughs> it, right? And then it went down to one and a half, and now there's been nothing but a stream of, the numbers been moving back to the Niners, but we're not seeing evidence of the money. Yep. That actual line movement two and a half or three, whatever we want to call yeah. it, all the way down to one that next day. And then we've been sitting pretty much at that two. We've seen some books tick up to the two and a half, but it seems like two appears to be the right number, at least for now, despite all of the handle and money coming in on that side. What about the total for you? Something that stands out to me about both of these teams and their approach is likely time of possession and running the football. Do you think that lends more toward an under? Yeah, I, th- well, I, th- I think this. I think the possessions... I think both teams will get eight possessions. And I think ultimately, I, I predicted slightly over the total because I think both teams will be effective moving the football on one another because I think both offensive coaches, Shanahan and, and Reed, are very good at designing runs, designing pass plays against their opponent. I, I think this is, look, we saw Buffalo had eight possessions. Kansas City had nine in that game. It was a 27-24 game, mm-hmm. 51 points. So to me, I think that's kind of where we're going with this. I think both teams will be, I mean, Kansas City started that game off as well as you can. They said touchdown, touch. It wasn't until the fourth quarter that they did. Mm-hmm. Kansas City's remarkable that they've won these games without being productive in the fourth quarter. They don't. They go eight possessions in the Baltimore game, don't score, right? I mean, against the against the Bills, they turn it over. They don't score in the fourth quarter. They win that game. You know, I, I, Miami, it was over at the half because Miami obviously wasn't. That Miami's health, to me, that was a game that was too easy because Miami just wasn't healthy. Right, they weren't healthy, and then the Buffalo Bills defense wasn't at full strength either, which is why I think so many people liked Baltimore last week, and we kept seeing the money go toward the Ravens, toward the Ravens and then it it didn't defensively they were still great offensively it just wasn't enough for them held to just 10 points despite having the MVP and Lamar Jackson because they didn't want to run the ball I love the way you said it last week they lost that game on Tuesday they lost it on Tuesday they just I mean it was to me again you know you're paid as a head coach for a strategist you're paid to figure out how the game has to go and what you what you need to do to play the game the right way to win the game and Baltimore strategy in that game and you were seeing a change in Baltimore staff now I mean you talk about a team that's going through a transitional state. Zach Orr coached three years in this league. They've lost a bunch of defensive coaches, and he's the new coordinator. I think it's something to pay attention to. And we saw uh, Exhibit A, the Philadelphia Eagles, what happened to them when they lost coordinators last year. It's going to be potentially tough for the Ravens as they look to be a postseason team instead of just a regular season team. We've got to step aside here, resetting for hour two on VSIN and DraftKings Network for Media Row. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.